Welcome to another edition of The Gulo. Welcome to a, a Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving edition of The Gulo here. Uh, we have a close friend and regular on the show, Dan May. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you too, brother. This is a, this is a fun time for all of us Detroiters, all of us Michiganders up there in the, the great uh, Mitten State. As we approach Thanksgiving, we get to celebrate, no matter how bad our football team is, we get to always celebrate the annual Turkey Day game with the Lions. This year they are hosting the Houston Texans. And, uh, man, to be honest, I don't know really what to expect with Matt Patricia and this team this year. But <laughs> like you said but before we hopped on the show, this really dictates how we eat Thanksgiving because we usually eat around 3 p.m. after the game. We're either going to eat um, in a good mood or we're just going to um, really just dive into a bunch of bad food, have three or four helpings um, throughout that night until we can't feel our stomachs anymore. And so, uh, but we're, we're excited. This is a special edition. So we usually um, uh, cover Michigan sports. Michigan basketball is actually playing right now. They're, they're beating Bowling Green. It's an exciting time. They're off to a good start. But uh, during this Thanksgiving week, we, we thought we'd come and bring our favorite Detroit sports moments in our generation. Now, before our generation, uh, you know, Detroit won a, a World Series and, and, and had some fun and had some fun moments. But during our generation, we got to see a lot of fun things happen and we got to see some sour things happen as well. <laughs> but uh, we're, we're going to kind of share our our, our fandom and our, our experience as kids and growing up and watching some some really good sports. And so before we get started, though, Dan, I, I want to hear from you. What's your favorite Thanksgiving day Bring me through that, what that looked like for you and your family growing up and what it looks like for you now, the food, the game, bring me through that tradition with you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, typically it's, it's us hyping up the Lions game with, you know, my dad, you know, us, us talking about, uh, you know, it didn't matter who it was, whether it would be an undefeated team or a team that hadn't won, you know, at that point, we would just be hyping it up all day. And uh, unfortunately, more times than not, <laughs> it would follow up with us just, you know, shaking our heads to a, another Lions loss. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just one of those amazing traditions that I, I hope never stops that, you know, my boys are beginning to experience now, uh, where when we think of Thanksgiving Day, we don't just think about family. We don't just think about my dad's, you know, famous uh, uh, sweet potato casserole, but we also think about us, you know, uh, talking about the lions, you know, talking about the good times, talking about mainly the bad times, but, um, but that's what Detroit sports is, right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's one of the most historical sports cities in America. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of that comes from, you know, our grandparents telling us stories, our parents telling us stories and, and us going to tell our boys the stories. And, and that's what, what makes it so unique, I think, than a lot of other towns. Yeah, man. I would, I would definitely agree. I know for us growing up, um, Becky had asked me earlier, you know, are, are we going to dress up or like, do we dress up? And um, I had explained to her, like growing up, us dressing up for Thanksgiving was wearing our Lions gear. You know, I remember my uncle wearing his Spielman jersey. I always wore my Barry Sanders jersey. My family, we, we wore the, that, that old Honolulu and silver um, every Thanksgiving for that game. And uh, man, it's just such a great tradition. And you know, maybe we're a little bit biased, but I think if you look at it objectively, Detroit is really one of the best sporting towns in America. Not, not because they, they win championships every year, but just because there's so much history 
And we have now all four of our major pro sports literally on the same street, just about within a quarter mile of each other. We have Comerica Park right across the street from Ford Field. And then we have uh, now uh, Red Wings moved from the Joe Louis Arena right off the river there. And now they're sharing Little Caesars Arena with the Pistons who moved from Auburn Hills and now from the Palace there. And now they're playing at Little Caesars Arena. So we have all major sports teams playing right just about on the same road it's exciting and when those teams are good now granted a good season for the Lions is maybe a wild card run but it's still it's exciting for the uh, city it's exciting for the state because you have blue collared workers who are um, paying their hard-earned money to go to these games and they show up um, week in and week out to support Detroit and uh, to when they're doing good and they're having some amazing fourth quarter comeback um, that city is alive when the baseball team is rolling. And during our time, we got to see a good decade of them winning their division, going to the world series twice. When the baseball team is good, man, Detroit is on fire. And then at the same time, when you have the red wings winning Stanley cups, these last couple of years have been rebuilt, but we, we have hope for Steve Eiserman there back in, back in town with the wings. Um, man, that city is alive. And then the Pistons back in the day when, you know, the bad boys and then during our generation with, with, with Chauncey and, and Ben, like that city just comes alive. And there's really nothing like it when you think of Detroit and the sports that they have there every year. And I'm excited for my son Cooper to grow up and I get to share with him the love that I have for my city and all the different sports teams there is I'm sure you have already tasted what it's like to, to share that with your, with, with your boys as well. Um, Let's kind of go through some of those moments that we remember. Um, first of all, I want, I want you to share with us some of your memorabilia. You have an iconic thing, number 13, seat 13, right behind you. Bring me through some of your memorabilia that you have. Yeah, so so a way that I can uh, I keep a piece of Michigan in my household is I love Detroit sports memorabilia. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things I have behind me is a, a, a seat back from Old Tiger Stadium, um, which is, you know, just, just takes me back to when I was a kid. Um, you know, being able to go there with my grandparents or my parents. And uh, it's some of my fondest memories as a kid when, when we would go and um, just, you know, it, 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 I, I wish, you know, I love Comerica. I think it's beautiful, but Tiger Stadium was three or four days older than Fenway. I just, I just would love if, if they were able to keep that. And then behind me were some signed autographs uh, of some of my favorite Detroit athletes. You got Chris Chelios, um, you know, Alan Trammell, uh, Miguel Cabrera. And then, you know, for, for the deep cut, I, I'm showing, you know, Mark the Bird Fidrich, yeah. who, uh, you know, for us Detroit sports people, you know, he's kind of an urban legend of sorts uh, for that one great season he had, I believe, in 67. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so one of those years. And, yeah. uh, you know, but, but yeah, so I, I, unfortunately, I've got both my boys' bedrooms is full of it. <laughs> and uh, it's a way for me to tell them some some great bedtime stories. Man, that, that's good, dude. It's exciting to hear. I, I think you're right when you say, because we don't live in the state of Michigan anymore. We, we live down in South Carolina. And I think the reason why I love the memorabilia so much, I love decking my house out, is because I don't live in the state of Michigan anymore. You live in the state of Michigan, you have your house decked out, but you can also drive down the road to Detroit and experience that that's weekly right. if you want to. For us, man, we're, we're, we are removed 800 or so miles away. And so a part of us keeping the state of Michigan and keeping Detroit sports in our house is being able to have this memorabilia. And so that's awesome. Uh, behind me, I have, um, I have my Lions, my Stafford jersey on. We usually call him uh, Staff Infection because he usually shows up in uh, 
hurts the team somehow, but he also gives us an exciting moment. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. I have my Detroit Red Wings hat on, uh, my, my, my sweatshirt in the background. Uh, my uncle Phil, shout out to you, Uncle Phil. You're not on Twitter, but shout out to you. Have a couple of pitchers in the background, uh, Old Tiger Stadium up top and Comerica Park. Um, the pitcher, I think you have the same one as well. It's uh, the last game played at Old Tiger Stadium and then the first game played at Comerica Park. And, uh, man, what a beautiful ballpark. We'll talk about that in a moment. Have my, my favorite baseball player of all time justin verlander i don't know if that's backwards for you or not but uh it's number 35 justin verlander had my tigers hat and um i have a justin verlander's rookie card right there behind me and uh rip hamilton bobblehead i got that at a pistons camp when i was in seventh grade this is a couple years after they won the, the the world championship and uh i was able to go and practice with some of the greats and I was able to get a photo with uh, the championship ring. That was really cool. But my favorite has to be this Detroit Tigers hat. This is my – nope, sorry, Justin. Uh, this is my uh, – my. It was my, yeah. it was my grandpa's hat. It was the old Ronald McDonald that has the green on the inside. Um, this is my grandpa's hat in the 80s and 90s, and my aunt gave it to me after he had passed away. And that is uh, – man, it's just a super memor- memory, great memory that I have. He loved Tigers, and after his stroke, my mom just said that he, he she remembers him just whispering. Um, maybe this was before his stroke, but whenever uh, um, Sparky Anderson was the manager there, she said that he would just sit there and whisper to himself, like, oh, Sparky, what are you doing? What are you doing? And uh, But anyway, just a, a lot of great a lot of great memories there. But let's go ahead and jump into it, starting with Detroit, because we have four major sports teams to go over here today. Let's go ahead and, and jump into the Tigers. Dan, bring me through your childhood because before they hit their uh, decade of success there in Detroit, it didn't look so good. They, they came off of a World Series win in 84, the roar of 84. We weren't alive for that. And, uh, man, they hadn't really made the playoffs since then, and it was really tough in Detroit. Bring me through your childhood uh, before they, they they jumped out to that great start um, in 06 and kind of build up to that and – um, really um, what happened afterwards. Bring me through your, your, your fond memories of our generation with Detroit baseball. Yeah. So, so just like any kid, you don't realize how bad it is, especially at a, at a young age, right? You just yeah. know that this is a team, you know, especially, you know, Detroit sports fans are, are raised from the ground up. So you, you, you know, to cheer for the Tigers. And, and for me, my player was Tony Clark. Mm. You know, most people would know him as, as the guy who's uh, ahead of the players association, for me, he was the greatest thing since sliced bread mm. uh, played first base for us. Um, growing up. I love Dean Palmer when, you know, Dean Palmer was with the Tigers for a short little bit, Davey Cruz, mm. uh, Damian Easley, you know, a lot of names. No one has any idea what we're talking about, yeah. but for me, these were my guys, you know uh, you know, Justin Thompson, when he was pitching, mm. uh, I remember when, um, uh, Jeff Weaver. Yeah, Jeff Weaver uh, was a pitcher, you know, eventually got traded. But, um, you know, these were the guys that I was cheering on, you know, out in the out in the backyard pretending to be, you know, and uh, and, you know, as I got older, what was it? Uh, 2000, 2004, when yeah. we lost 119 games, uh, it started to dawn on me, you know, hey, this team's in trouble. You know, because going into that season, we had our uh, our legend Alan Trammell as our manager, mm-hmm. and we're like, "Hey, Alan Trammell can do no wrong." And, and sure enough, we lost 119 games, and 
Um, you know, it, but it didn't matter because in two, two years later in 06 is when, when the Tigers really started to turn it around with Jim Leland and the guys. Yeah, that's right, man. Uh, it's kind of the same thing like Harbaugh. You, you bring in a, a historic legend for your program or for your organization or franchise. And um, man, most of the time they, they don't pan out to the expectations of the fans. And um, despite whatever happened when Trammell and that team, he's still a legend. Like people still love him in Detroit. And uh, you know, that, that was a, that was a hard year, obviously, but he will always be a big name in, in, in people's hearts and the history there. Yeah, man, I can remember, uh, we I remember like late nineties, early two thousands, I, I would sit there and uh, a way that my dad would allow us to go to the, the, the party store down the road and get hot Cheetos or do something. We always had to do chores. And after our chores, sometimes you'd be like, Oh man, like my back really itches. Like, can you scratch my back while I watch the tiger? So us kids would be scratching dad's back and it's kind of weird, but um, I don't know if it was like a good luck thing for him or not, but he'd be like, all right, if you scratch my back for an hour, like I'll give you a dollar to go and get some Cheetos. So we're like, yeah. And, I can always remember we'd be scratching his old man's back, <laughs> watching the tiger, <laughs> watching the tigers lose, and he gets so mad. This guy gets so mad because they lose, lose, lose. So growing up, I was always a diehard Tigers fan, um, and I knew that they weren't great. But dude, I love baseball. Like I just read a book I wrote in fourth grade called Mike the Line. It's an awful book, but you look in the the biography that I wrote about myself and. My favorite hobby was baseball and my, my future job, I wanted to play for the Detroit Tigers, just like every little kid. And that was, that was our dream in the backyard and in organized sports. We wanted to play in the big leagues. We wanted to play in Detroit. And so, but, but I knew they weren't good, but it was a part of who I was. And then you're right, man, in 2004, after that really bad year, they went in, uh, they, but, but the good thing that Trammell and that organization did is during that time, they started making some really big moves they started making some really big moves and uh, um, it was nice because Pudge Rodriguez came on board. We started getting some names and even though they weren't there yet, really it was, if we get the right manager in here to direct this team and goodness sakes, man, they could be something special, but I don't think we could ever imagined what happened in 2006 when Jim Leland came on board. Um, gosh, watching interviews with him. I just remember he came on and he was just super cutthroat. He's like, look, I'm going to love these boys, but um, there's going to be no shortcuts. There's going to be no shortcuts. And I'm not going to go out there and say, we need to win this game or we need to win that game. Like, I'm not going to put the expectation on them. We just need to go out there and play good baseball. And we need to play sound baseball, fundamental baseball. And you could see just that. I mean, it wasn't a, hey, this is going to be a three, four-year build. Like, 2006 was the year, man. And they jumped out. And it was just – I think that was when Joel Zumaya came in. And I remember, even though he was a relief right. pitcher, he had – Pitchers back then, like, even though we're only 15 years removed from this, like, it wasn't every day where they were throwing well over 100 miles per hour. You, you see that more now, but, you know, even 10, 15 years ago, they weren't doing that consistently. So when jo Joel Zamaya came in as a reliever throwing 101, 102, maybe 103, dude, it was just, it was just amazing, amazing. So let's go through that magical year. What do you remember of the 2006 season? Yeah, so uh, man, 2006. Like I've got that starred when it, when we talk about Tigers memories, because uh, you know we can start off with you know bringing in Jim Leland and mm -hmm. and you know having to understand and appreciate the history that he brought, um, and then you know hearing about this pitcher, you know hearing about Verlander, right, who was drafted in 04, but yep. you know at this point he was still coming in as a rookie, um, and then. You know, in April, we had Chris Shelton hitting 10 home runs in the month of April and us being like, what the heck? Like, we're yeah. winning games. We got this 
Chris Shelton guy, you know, just hitting bombs. Um, and, and then just, you know, eventually you talk about cutthroat. Chris Shelton eventually was sent down to Toledo and us trading for a uh, um, mayor. What's his name? Uh, but, but anyways, from Cincinnati uh, to replace him at first base. And, mm. and you just, you know, it, it's, it's so easy to fall in love with a team when they're winning right? Yeah. It just makes you appreciate the years of pretending to be a Tony Clark or Davy Cruz yeah. when all of a sudden, you know, we're winning ball games. And, uh, you know, I'll never forget. I was, I was 16 in 06 and I was working at a sporting goods store. Mm. And I know I'm jumping a little bit ahead, but when, when we were playing Oakland and, and we had, we, yeah. And we had Craig Monroe on second. I'll never forget. I'm getting goosebumps. Gosh, thinking Craig Monroe on second, Placido Polanco on first. And, and we had mags up there. Uh, I remember my manager, cause we had a, we had a TV with a game on and yeah. I was ringing people up and he was like, Hey, you need to go watch this. And he had no idea what was going to happen. Yeah. And, and Maglio hits that home run off of Houston street, dude. At that point I was running around the store. Mind you, this was in Winston Salem, <laughs> North Carolina. Yeah. I'm running around the store screaming. No one's stopping me. Oh. And uh, man, like, it, it, dude, 06 is and, and I'll just never forget like the the players you know celebrating with the fans just meant so much more right them yeah. high-fiving popping the champagne on them yeah. you know you had Jim Leland you know calling his family over and kissing his wife through the the foul ball screen you know mm. and um 06 man was was just a magical magical year and and I I remember getting home and and calling my grandfather who who's a diehard Tigers fan and, and being able to have that discussion with them and, and, you know, it's, you know, not to, not to romanticize this, but mm -hmm. you know, when you're away from Detroit, but you're raised and you love a team, mm -hmm. it's, it's the number one connection point with family. It right? is. Yeah. And for me to have these discussions with my grandfather, whether they, they stunk or whether they were good uh, is something I'm always going to cherish. You know, I remember writing papers about the tigers mm. in school and sending them to them and, and later I found out after he passed away, he had him framed up in his bedroom. Oh and, man. You know, it's, but 06 was, was, was the year, man. Yeah. Unfortunately we cooled down and, and we lost in the world series, but you know, just, just a great start to a really nice run for the Tigers. It really was man. And uh, I remember I was watching an interview, I think last year, the year before with Verlander, cause he came back as, you know, when he's playing for Houston, he came back to Detroit for a game and, they're asking him about the 06 season. He just said that, man, they, they just, they had such a long break between um, the, the, the series, the, the conference series and uh, the, the, the world series there. And so after they had walked, after Mags had walked it off against Oakland, um, they, I think they had like a week off or so before they, they played St. Yeah. Louis. And you got to remember, man, that year was a year where, even Detroit, even though they had a good record, they were still underdogs because they hadn't been there since 84. It had been a long right. time. So when they got there, dude, I remember they, you know, going and beating the Yankees. Like I remember one of their games got postponed and we had to play them at like noon or 1 PM on a weekday at Yankee stadium. I remember watching that in class or now I'm sorry, not watching it, listening to it because our teacher who's a big Tigers fan had stopped class. And we listened to the end of that game in class and we, we ended up beating them. And it was like, wow, like, man, I think there's something to this. And I remember going home the next night and watching them and we ended up beating the Yankees. 
um, in, in, that, in that five game series. And gosh, man, it was just, it was so magical. And, and like you said, it is a very big connection point for us who are, even though I grew up 18 years in Michigan, still now I, I, I don't, I'm removed from it, but it's a big connection point for my dad and myself. Like we talk more about sports and, you know, our faith, obviously in Christ, right. More than anything else. Like it's, it's a big connection point for us that we love to share with each other. And even my brother and I, like we share our connection with each other through sports and in, in, in Detroit sports. And gosh, man, that, that season was so magical. I remember we kind of cooled off during the season a little bit and it seemed like they were kind of going in a slump, but then they picked it back up and um, we ended up beating the Yankees. So now let's get to the Oakland game or, or the Oakland series. And uh, Detroit's really dominating. I, I think we were up on them like I don't, I don't think it was a tied series. I think we were up on them like three to one or, or, or something like that. Um, I, three, I, I think it was three to one, yeah. Yeah, I think we were up on them three to one. So it wasn't like a, the series was tied or anything. But, again, the season was magical. And it was so cold that night. I remember Placido Polanco was still wearing that, 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 that beanie over his, yeah. under his batting helmet because it was so cold there in Detroit. And you could see the, the, the breath coming off out of people. It was so cold. And the stadium was packed. You had that 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 kind of Detroit lure there in the in, in the mid October, but it was dude, it was just the energy was up. And I remember watching that game with my dad, and we're sitting there, and it's 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 bottom of the ninth, and we're like, man, if if Detroit loses this game somehow, and they have to go back to Oakland, like we don't know, like we haven't been here since '84, anything can happen. And goodness, man, when Mags walked that off, I can still, I can, I think it was uh, Thomas Brenneman who. Um, obviously that's close to my, my wife and, and her family because he's you know Cincinnati um, longtime uh, broadcaster for them is his dad Marty Brenneman I, I believe it was him who was calling the game and I didn't realize it was him until a couple months ago when I heard him calling a Cincinnati game and I was like that voice sounds so familiar where do I remember that from the 06 game where Mags walked it off against Oakland I can just re- remember it now in the air to left field <laughs> and it just goes yes. back and I can just remember Placido Blanco running around the bases, throwing his helmet off, yeah, yeah, jumping up yeah. and down and doing this. And, Oh man, the chills and the players coming back. Oh. And in that year it was Kenny Rogers, who I believe he had played for the Yankees. Didn't really have a great time there. And it's kind of, he was getting old and he ended up coming back and having, having a magical year and really a great playoff run there and dude everything about that like I just have chills right now and I just remember hearing in the Tigers march to the World Series when he put it over and yeah. you can just see the fans just going crazy and it was just years and years of buildup and weight and this is during a time where you know we're gonna get to in a second the Pistons had just uh, won a world championship a couple years before the wings were still the team in the NHL winning four out of, uh, you know, four, four cups in 10 years. And so the city of Detroit is just on fire. And when that happened, man, that was, uh, that was amazing. And even though we didn't win the world series that year, it was still so magical because I do believe we could have beat St. Louis. I believe if we would have, um, if, if the series would have been tighter against Oakland and we would have maybe had a couple days off before we went and played St. Louis, I think that break really killed um really killed our team what's your yeah what's your idea on that what do you think no for sure like you know you know it's something even my dad said he said that week that week-long break is going to hurt the tigers and i didn't get it but you 100 percent saw it right is is that was a team built off momentum 
Yeah. And uh, because look, on, on paper, that team wasn't super talented at that point. Yeah. You know, you had Brandon Inge, you know, Carlos Guillen was starting to become on his own. Mm-hmm. Placido Polanco was talented first base with, uh, uh, wait, was it Sean? What's his uh, name? Sean Casey, Sean, Sean Casey. Casey. Yeah. Yeah. You know, with Pudge, Craig Monroe, uh, Granderson was, was really young at that point. Yeah. Marcus Thames, um, you know, it needed that momentum to carry over and it, it just did. didn't happen. Yeah. But, but, but it started from, a great from run. 06 to 12, exactly. From 06 to 12, you saw how that built a lot of things off of it, right? A yeah. lot of those guys kept moving with the team, um, their experience and, and uh, yeah. It was great, man. And, and then we go and, you know, we continue to win our division. We, we continue to do great. A couple of years, I remember 2011, we had a really good team. In 2011, I was yep. like, oh, man, like, I think that they, they could go and they ended up losing. And it was always like we were such a great ball club, but we can never get back to the World Series. But then in 2012, it was another another year to where they had everything together. This is obviously we got Miguel Cabrera now when he was still younger. And he, he I think he got traded to us when he was in, in 2008, I believe. And uh, he, he came on board. And again, this is when Vert now I'll say this that was a more talented team in 2012 than we had in 2006. If you look at our pitching rotation, I mean, you're talking Justin Verlander, you're talking Matt Scherzer, Max Scherzer, you're talking Rick Purcella, who was coming in on his own as a 19 year old kid in 2008 or 2009, he came in and obviously we traded him off to Boston, but you look at these pitchers who just them alone, you can build a world series team off of them at these different ball clubs they are at. They were all on one team on, on one yeah. rotation and to, just to see that you, you had them and uh, gosh dude it, it was just amazing what, what do you remember the 2012 season as they were marching towards that world series run yeah so in 2012 i was actually on deployment overseas uh in japan uh so i i had a lot of like morning games right mm-hmm. so with the 12 hour difference i would i would get up early in the morning and catch as much as i could um in fact, during 2012, during the World Series, I was on a tiny little island called Wake Island out in the Pacific. And, uh, and it just so happens our, uh, our, one of our navigating officers while we were flying, uh, he was a big Tigers fan. And he would actually radio into headquarters when he could for an update during some of the World Series games. And I, wow. you know, as, as unfortunate it was for us to lose once again, and we lost to the Giants, I'll never forget, you know, uh, you know, and then anyone questions my fandom as a Tigers, I'd be like, have you ever watched it on a screen this big in the middle of Pacific <laughs> Ocean, you know, at, at, you know, in the middle of the night? And uh, so, yeah, <laughs> and don't forget in 2012, too, we had Prince Fielder, uh, which we really thought was going to be the guy who was going to come around and, and turn it around for us as well. And, you know, it's it kind of lines up with our generation of being a Detroit sports fan. Yeah, we're we get good, but most of the time it's just not good enough. Yep. N- not good enough. That seems to be the story. And uh, especially with the lines as we'll, we'll get into here in just a moment, <laughs> sure. but, uh, but man, yeah, I remember. And again, it seems like St. Louis, we ran into them and, and they were a good ball club. And then you look at, you know, the giants, we ran into them in 2012. And again, they, they were a good ball club that they had been there and we just seemed to fizzle out at the end and just kind of get tired and, Gosh, man, I remember we pounded the Yankees there in the ALCS that right before the World Series. And I think we beat them. It was like 8-1 to one or 8-2 to two or something like that. We got out 
to like a six a run lead in like the third inning or something. And it was right then you knew we were going to the World Series. It was right before I left for boot camp, actually. And uh, my dad and I were sitting in a tavern. I had a great burger there. And um, it was one of the last moments I had before I left for boot camp. We were sitting there in, uh, in, in a homestead tavern and eating a burger. And we watched the Tigers go to the World Series again in the, the second time in six years. And I remember that, that, that last ball that was popped up and we were waiting for it and he caught it and that, that, that last fly out. And gosh, man, it was just, again, watching that with my dad before I left for boot camp. I watched it with him in 06 when, we, when the famous, when the Tigers marched to the World Series, same thing. Uh, it was just really special time. And so even though, again, we, even though we didn't win the World Series, we won two pennants and um, now, now there's excitement again, because as long as the Illich family is there in charge of Detroit, uh, the Tigers ball club and the Red Wings organization, I mean, you're going to have, uh, an opportunity to, to win big. And I think we're going to, we're going to start building that again. It's been a rough couple of uh, years for us. And, um, you know, with, uh, coach Gardy, uh, with, with him leaving kind of unexpected, but then again, it's just kind of like, you know, makes sense, but at the same time, it just came, it came out of nowhere, we have uh, we have AJ Hinch coming coming in from from Houston. There's obviously a lot of things that people you know think or don't think about him, but um, he knows how to win. And 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 I just hope that he can bring us back to competitive baseball. Take this young competitive team, this farm system that we've had the last three seasons, and do something with it, man. Get some big people in there. And um, I'll leave it with this for Detroit baseball: is Justin Verlander texted AJ Hinch when he got the job and he said, Hey man, I just want to let you know when Detroit is winning, there's nothing like that city. It is, it is really special. When, when that ball club is winning, you watch out because that, that city gets really fun to be a part of when, when they're winning some big ball games. And uh, I, I would, I would agree. I, I would, I would agree with that. And so, um, but, but now we're, now let's kind of transition to, to the Red Wings and, and share some of our moments there because this is a team to where before 96 and 97, they hadn't won a, a Stanley cup in a very long time, but they weren't a team like the tigers to where they, they got there, but it just wasn't good enough. This is a team to where they were good enough and they did it four seasons. They, they won the cup four times in 10 years, just about, I think it was nine or 10 years. And uh, that was exciting. Bring me through your earliest memories of, of Red Wings hockey. Yeah. So I, <clears throat> Zach, do you remember the 96, 97 season? A little bit. It, it, it was, it okay. was, it was more so the, the big moments in, in, in the Stanley cup. I remember the biggest thing I remember from the 96, 97 season was the avalanche and, and yes. that, that rivalry. Yes. Yeah. So, so that, that's so true is like that, that dawned on me that like, Hey, we, we are not supposed to like that team with the the stupid foot on their shoulders and, yeah. <laughs> and, and, shout out to, to my aunt Kelly for really teaching me that. And I have a funny aunt Kelly story later on, but uh, 96, 97, man, like I'll just never forget like the excitement in the air, even all the way down, down South of, of, of the wings winning it. And, and then, you know, my dad getting the hockey town documentary VHS tape and, man. and man, I used to just watch that over and over and over again, just to fully understand the, the what that meant you know, as a, as a Red Wings fan, as a, as a seven-year-old. Yeah. And, uh, and from then on, man, like I got it. I understood it. It was hockey town Yeah. and, and avalanche, like, you know, we'll, we'll talk about how unfortunate it is that they moved the wings out of the, the Western conference because, you know, hockey, hockey's missing that type of stuff. You know, yeah. yes, we have our Eastern conference rivals, you know, 
Um, but but the, the Avalanche Red Wings rivalry in the '90s was the best. Yeah, it was, man. And that that that, that famous fight where and I think you can see the the return to hockey town. You see Darren McCarty come up and just knock a dude out, and it's just a big brawl at the end of the game. And it's it's a type of thing to where in those rivalries in hockey, you make a stupid hit on somebody and you don't apologize for it. If you don't see them for a year they're still going to remember it and it's going to be fresh in their mind. And when they come back out on the ice there, you better be prepared and be looking left and right because they're, they're going to be coming at you with something. Um, yeah. I, I, again, I remember the big moments for, for me growing up, it was uh, we used to ice the driveway. All right. We used to ice the driveway with the hose and it would snow and the, the, the driveway would get super slick and my, my uncles and cousins would come over and we would set up our, our, our hockey goals and our nets. And dude, we, we would just have at it and we start playing hockey. And I remember my dad would bring um, his TV out in the garage and we were, we were watching the wings and their Stanley cup run there. And we would be on the driveway, you know, hitting the puck back and forth and playing an intense game against each other. And it was always so special during the winter time, you know, usually it's tailgating for football games, but we would tailgate for hockey in the winter time in the garage. And we would all play in the, in the driveway. And I never learned how to ice skate. Um, but I always play hockey on foot and it felt like we were playing on ice because we'd ice the driveway over. And so those are my earliest memories. And I remember Detroit yeah. winning those back-to-back cups. Uh, and thank goodness, man, especially for Steve Eiserman, bless his heart, dude. He gave so much for the organization. Now, obviously he's, he's, he's back with us, thankfully. But uh, I mean, the guy got drafted. He was a captain at eight, at 18 or 19 years old and just gave everything for it. And when it finally all came together, they did not slow down. They, they won back-to-back, I believe it was 96-97 and, and, and or the 96-97 season and the 98-99, and um, then they came back again in, in 2002. Bring me through those, 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 those first three cups, and when they go back-to-back and, and then they win again in 2002, right before the NHL kind of takes a hiatus for a year in 2003 or four, I believe it was. Bring me through, again, not, now you're growing. Not, you don't just experience the greatness – but you're continuing to build off it to really it's, it's a dynasty. Yeah. And, and, and if you remember at the tail end of that, that second cup, uh, you know, the, the, the terrible limousine accident, right. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, uh, was a Konstantinov, um, yeah. Vladimir Konstantinov, you know, being confined to a wheelchair and, 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 you know, you, I, you know, we talk about this being so young, but it also dawned on me as a, as a child too, that like, Hey, these bad things can happen to what what you consider as superheroes at that point, yeah. and and seeing the team rally around that and and to to still be able to fight through and and remember that second half, you know, Fedorov was on a holdout and and you know that that type of struggle, but to see them went back to back, then it, it was it. Like then it was you know the Red Wings are dominant; they're never going to lose. Mm-hmm. And it took a couple of years after that, um, and then I'll just. I'll never forget when, when we started, when we brought in Brett Hall, Luke Robitaille, Dominic Kasich, and it was like, what is going on? Like, yeah. oh, you know, it, it was so awesome as a Wings fan to be talked to like I was a Yankees fan, right? Where the Wings <laughs> could just go out and get whoever they wanted. It didn't matter. You know, uh, Mike Ilyich was going to do whatever it took to bring another cup there. And for them to be so dominant, uh, it, was, it was really, really awesome. Um, you know, you, you talk about the avalanche, right? I'll never forget in that game seven against the avalanche uh, in the, in that third cup season, 
I was sitting in my Aunt Kelly's house watching it. And, and remember, it was supposed to be a tight game, and we ended up blowing them out of the water 7 yeah. nothing. And my, and my Aunt Kelly has this thing because she hates the Avalanche so much that when, when the Wings score against them, she loves to, like, punch you in the shoulder. And I'll just never forget, like, after the fifth goal, I was like, can I move? And yeah. She was like, no. This, she, she was like, you're too good of luck. So I got punched in the shoulder, like, seven times, Golly. you know, just out of excitement. And, uh, yeah, that was that, – that, that one meant a lot more to me because I was a little bit older. I understood what it meant. I, yeah. I, I followed the team more. Yeah, I, I think so too. As you start getting older, you can kind of respect it a little bit more because you're like, man, I can kind of understand what they're going through, what they're putting their bodies through, the the, the training that they're doing, what, what the front offices are doing and the moves that they're making to see these things happen. And you're right, dude. People, I mean, still to this day, I, I know a guy who actually, he went to church with us for a while. He was an Avalanche fan for a while, but now he's, uh, then he was a Blackhawks fan, but now he's like a Pittsburgh fan. He's jumped around a lot. And but he, he always talks to me about that. That, that Oh, that's app. like the worst three. It's the, it's the worst three. So it's like worse, worse, and even more worse. And uh, I'm like, gosh, it's, yeah, it's awful. Yeah. But he, he, he talks about that big fight. And we, we usually send the, 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 the big fight to each other every year on the anniversary. And we just kind of relive that and, Man, it's, it's a great rivalry. And I was really young, even through the um, 99 season. Then in 2002, I started getting a big grasp on it and enjoying it more for what it was. And after that, we kind of took a break for a little bit. You know, we, we had the lockout in 04. And after that, Steve Eiserman retired. And he was, man, if he would have stayed through, there through 2008, he would have got another cup, but he didn't need any. He, he automatically went down as one of the greatest of all time. And especially in Detroit hockey, you know, obviously behind uh, Gordie Howe and um, in, in, in an all time against uh, against other people and stuff. And so he great player, man. He's, he's like an I he's an icon there. I play I'm playing NHL 06 on my PlayStation 2 and you have Steve Eiserman still there, even though he's older. It's still cool seeing him there and playing. You have a young Zetterberg on that team. But uh, but 2008 is when I really I think that was one of my favorite seasons because it was it was kind of a new team. I mean, you did have some yeah. people who were still left over from that um, from those first three cups, but you had a lot of new people. You had Nick Lindstrom come in a couple years before then as big defenseman. Um, you had some of your 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 older people there. I believe Osgood was with us now. Goalie after Legacy had left. Um, I believe I, I believe Osgood was with us in 2008. Correct me if I'm Osgood wrong. Osgood and Hasek were still there. Okay, yep. yeah, that's right. And then and then Holmstrom and you still had a, a good crew there. But then Zetterberg really takes off. And uh, man, that was just a magical season. I remember, I believe it was either Game Six or Seven. We 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 uh, we beat the Penguins there in, in Pittsburgh. And and I always hated winning the mm-hmm. Stanley Cup in an opposing team's arena. I always wanted to win in Detroit. Yeah. Now. I, I think the first two cups, or the first three cups, we won it in Detroit, and they were able to hoist the cup up there um, in Joe Lewis. But I remember in 2008, it, w- it was one of those games where I was like, selfishly, I want to win this at the Joe, but I don't want to wish on that because I don't, I don't know if we can hang with them for game seven because it was just so tight. It was so right. intense. And I remember it was in the matter of the final seconds to where they were just teeing off on Osgood, dude. And I was just like, they're going to score. They're going to score. And they didn't end up scoring. We ended up winning that game. Bring me yeah. through that um, that game or th- those final moments as we won the 08 Cup. Yeah, so 
you're right. It was a, a young team, and and everyone had had been saying, and they were right. That Pittsburgh team was on the up and up with yeah. with Crosby, and and um, uh, you know they had uh, what's his name, Avalkin, mm-hmm. um, and the, you know they were they were loaded up a young Mark Andre Flurry. So we got nervous when we lost Game Five, yeah. and and I just remember thinking like this this can't go seven because you saw it. Everyone saw it. Hasek was definitely on his last legs. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why they made the change to Osgood. And even Osgood was, was up there and long in the tooth. And, and just, just, you know, realizing once again, like, that's right. Like, this is going to sound so entitled because us as Detroit fans, we shouldn't feel entitled with all the crap we go through. <laughs> yeah. But, but for us, it was like, okay, there it is. Like, because for me growing up as a Wings fan, you know, it wasn't until I was 25 years old that the Red Wings hadn't made the playoffs. Mm. So for me, it was, all right, we're back to where we need to be. Let's yeah. keep moving. We got our young guns and Zetterberg and Datsik. And, and you know, we got uh, Lindstrom now as, mm-hmm. as our new captain. Like, they're going to be just fine. And unfortunately, that was it. Yeah. Uh, you know, you talk about your boot camp story. I was in boot camp in 09 when we went uh, against Pittsburgh again. Mm. And we were up three games to one when I left thinking, all right, here we go. Another cup. Yeah. And I remember getting out of boot camp and finding out we lost in seven. It was like, oh, oh, bro. That was tough, man, because, again, in 2009, it's the same two teams playing against each other. And when you're up three games to one, and, and you got you got to remember, too, we had to go through Anaheim. There were some really tough teams that we had to go through. So even to get to Pittsburgh, it was – gosh, man, we're, we're having some tough series in these conference finals and stuff. And to even get there to Pittsburgh again was, was just, I was super impressed with them. But when we, when we went up three games to one, I was like, Oh dude, we got this in the bag. Like we, we may not win game five, but we will definitely win it again in game six. Like if if they drop one in game five, I think we'll, we'll we'll pull it off in game six. And gosh, man, when it went down to the wire again, it when it went to seven, I did not feel good about that because the pens got hot and then we ended up dropping. And again, it was in the final seconds. It reminded me of the, the, the season before where we pulled it out, except now we were on the opposite end and we just could not, we were trying to tee off and score. We couldn't do it. We ended up losing that um, at Stanley cup. And I, I think that one hurt because we could have had five Stanley cups in like 10 years, five Stanley yeah. cups in, in t- 10 to 11 years. And, uh, Gosh, man, how sweet that would have been. And now, unfortunately, since that 2009 season, um, we went on a run to where we still consistently made the playoffs. But then, uh, you know, you like you said, I believe it was, what, 2000 and was it 15 or 16 to where we, we was the first time we missed the playoffs? Or maybe it was 17. I can't remember. 2015. 2015, okay. I think it was two. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Hey, yeah. but you know what? While during that little time frame, Stevie Y went down to Tampa. That's right. He figured out how to be an amazing uh, yes. GM slash president. He's back home and, and everything's going to be all right with the wings. That's right, man. That's right. It's going to be good. I mean, it's going to take time to build, but he's very cutthroat. He's exactly who you need there in a GM. And I think he's going to make the right moves and we're going to be, we're going to be just fine. Um, but dur- during this run, during this hockey run that we had in the late nineties, all the way up through 2009, you also had another team come in and, and they did really good. I, I don't know what order we were going. I forgot if we're going Lions and Pistons, but I'm going to throw Pistons in there because during this run of hockey, we had 
um, the, the bad boys retire out in the nineties. And then you had this new crew come in in the early two thousands and something really special happened there in Detroit. They ended up going and win the, winning the championship, um, almost sweeping the Lakers with Kobe and Shaq there. And, uh, that game, we were able to see them win it, um, in game five at the palace there in Auburn Hills. And man, that was, that was a magical season. Um, this is during the times where I'm like, man, Detroit in general is really at an elite level. I mean, you have the Red Wings winning Stanley Cups. You have the Pistons winning Eastern Conferences, winning a, an NBA championship. They could have won more, but obviously they ran into some tough San Antonio teams, Miami Heat, um, uh, Cleveland started you know, going on the up and up there when LeBron James came. So it got tough there, but I thought we could have won a couple championships Uh Man, it was just an amazing time to be in that city. Bring me through your memories there with that um, that 2004 championship team there with Detroit Pistons. Yeah, so so I, I love basketball. I love all the sports. I love all my teams, but basketball was a sport I played my whole life. Mm. And, and that 04 Pistons team was just perfect because, you know, us growing up, we heard about the bad boys, right? I was I was born the same year that the, the original bad boys with – Isaiah Lambeer, Rick Mahorn, you know, Vinny, the microwave Johnson. And, and to see that same type of team, that's just gritty, that just plays team fundamental basketball. Mm -hmm. And then you have the characters like Rashid and big Ben, who was my favorite, you know, you know, most people thought I wore number three in my freshman year for uh, Allen Iverson. I said, no, 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 I wear it for, for big Ben. In fact, our, our homecoming game, I try to convince my coach, let me wear a big Ben wig during warmups. Oh, and, uh, you know, luckily he didn't let me do that or that. I think that would have been some problems, <laughs> but man, and, and, and then, you know, the finals of was so perfect. And it's so Detroit of, of no one giving us a shot. You know, yeah. I never thought this was going to be a quick, easy win for the Lakers. And, 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 you know, I don't know if you remember this act, but this is something that always sticks with me. The theme song for the NBA finals that year was the black eyed peas. Let's get it started. Yes. Yes. And I cannot, I, every time I hear that song now, that's all I think about is yes. like big Ben just dominating Shaq or, or Chauncey hitting like, you know, just clutch shots or Tayshon, Gosh, you know, dude. with the infamous block against the Pacers in that, in, yep. in the prior series, like, uh, dude, Oh, four was it Oh, four. And, and the, you know, was it three years after the fact? It was yeah. just awesome. It was amazing, man. It it was so fun to watch. And I think Coach Larry Brown came in, and he's really the only coach to win an NCAA title and an NBA championship. And so to have that happen in Detroit is super special. And I remember the 04 season because they got off to a good start, but then they kind of hit a plateau to where they weren't doing great. I remember they were losing a lot of games. It was like we were always missing that 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 final piece to come in and do something great. And that here comes Rasheed Wallace, man. He just had that swag yeah. about him, dude. That that sun tattoo, the yelling out later in his career, ball don't lie, just that that, that attitude that you needed. And these boys really rallied around each other because nobody gave them a shot. It was kind of like the bad boys, you know, people didn't really like them. And they they had people coming in from different places, like Chauncey Billups came in and Mr. Big Shot, dude, hitting that big shot against the, I believe it was the 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 Nets at the time. Um, I can't remember exactly what game it was, but hit a big shot to keep us going. And uh, we ended up going against the Lakers, and everybody thought it was over. But for some reason, you know, especially, I don't know how it was for you uh, being removed from the state of Michigan, but inside the state of Michigan, 
we thought we were going to win. Like we, we thought we had a good team. We thought we were really high at the time. And the Lakers, even though they were still great, there was some controversy going on with, you know, Shaq and Kobe and it just seemed like they weren't in a great spot. And man, we just came out and hunted them down. And I'll never forget how loud it was on the TV. Um, the, the palace was in game five when we ended up beating them and we blew them out by like 25 or 30 points. And I can remember we got up by like 25 on them and it was to the point to where we knew we were going to win the NBA championship because we were up by so many points in game five. And so the last like 10 minutes of the game was just a party. It was just us just, we knew we were going to win. So we got to enjoy 10 minutes of basketball of just us teeing off on the Lakers on Kobe on Shaq and see, it was just a big party in Detroit and even in our own household, just watching that happen. It was amazing. Do, do you remember, you talk about that party phrase, do you remember the crowd cheering for Darko like, <laughs> to put him in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And here, here comes old Darko with his with his highlights and, like, oh, what man. losses could be, which should have been a red flag for us. But we were just so happy to see Darko get some minutes. and That's right. And Because uh, he was supposed to be the guy who was supposed to slide in. But, yeah, yeah, man, 04 was, was amazing. Um, you know, you, you talk about bringing in Rashid. You know, remember too, we we traded Grant Hill a couple of years previously, yeah. And that Grant Hill was my guy. So mm-hmm. I mean, as is most people, because he was our one star most of the most of the the nineties. And uh, when we traded him, we got this you know no namer called Ben Wallace. You know, Rip Hamilton. You know, we yeah. we got these guys. And we had no idea who they were. And and you know, I know Larry Brown won the championship, but. You know, I still respect Rick Carlisle for being the yeah. guy previously who really formed that team into what it became of being this gritty, you yeah. know, defensive minded team. And, um, you know, you learn to love those guys. I agree, man. I mean, it's a lot like Trammell, you know, before Jim Leland came in, yeah, Trammell didn't do a great job as far as on the field, but he set up a lot of things to where when Leland came in, he was able to be the one to bring it to the next level. And I think that that, that's, a, that's an amazing story within itself. I loved, I, I loved Ben Wallace. I had his jersey, um, the, the red version of it. I always loved when they wore that red jersey for some reason. It was just, I don't know. I, I just really enjoyed it. I had a Ben a, a Chauncey Billups number one home jersey. Who, who's your favorite guy during that? Oh, it was definitely Big Ben. Yeah. Uh, I just love, I mean, when, when Fro Ben was out, like, watch out because, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, he had, he had the bicep bands and, you know, he was just a monster. Yeah. Uh, so you talk about jerseys, you know, I, I know the Pistons are probably watching this right now looking for opinions. <laughs> uh, bring, bring back the teal throwbacks. Yeah. I would love to see, uh, uh, you know, With I know the big we horse there them, on the man. front. Yes, I would love to see a, a yeah. throwback. You know, I, I was hoping that's what they were going to do uh, with their Motor City alternates, but it's just some gray. Yeah, you know, I but. I agree with you, man. I, I think they should have brought that back. Please bring those back. If you're watching this, uh, whoever you are uh, out there, please, please please do something about that. Um, dude, I love Tayshawn Prince for some reason, man. I just love that left-handed – like it just, it just looked so good, man, behind the arc there. And that was, uh, and then, and then obviously his, his grit that he had going up and blocking that shot against Indiana, um, man, that team was special. And again, I think we could have won a couple more championships. We were in the Eastern conference finals year after year, those next three or four years and couldn't get past some really stingy teams. You know, uh, it, it was hard, but those teams who did beat us, they, they played great. And then 
they went on to do good things. And so I can't really be too mad about it. But, um, but yeah. before we move on from the Pistons, I just wanted to share a story about Grant Hill. Yeah. So uh, when I, I went and visited for the summer and my mom had a friend that kind of like in a weird Detroit style way, took us on a Hollywood stars tour of okay. all the houses of like famous athletes. And I'll never forget going to Grant Hill's house, which obviously was gated, but it was, it, he had Mickey mouse ears on the front of his gate. <laughs> so I just thought it was like such a big time move. Yeah. So, and, and I wrote a letter to all the athletes of every house we went to mm. and I dropped it in their mailbox and Grant Hill was the only one to respond to me and sent me a, a, a signed picture of himself. Dude, that is so cool. Yeah. That is so right. cool, man. So, uh, Barry Sanders' house was was so Barry. It was it was incredible. I'll never yeah. forget that one either. Because it, it was Tell like just a that. normal house. Oh, yeah, it was just normal. So it wasn't in a gated community. It okay. was it, it looked like your your standard, you know, okay, that's you know. Yeah, that's a house. You know, it was just so <laughs> like if there was a way to encapsulate a house in the form of how Barry handled touchdowns, that would be it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh, dude, that's amazing. Yeah. It's so Barry, man. So Barry. You're right. So, so, so moving on to Barry uh, in, in the Detroit Lions, these, these last couple of moments that we have here on the show. Dude, let's go through our favorite Detroit Lions moments, man. It's uh it's been tough for us. I mean, they haven't won a playoff game since 91. They're awful. They are, the, they are the worst. They will build you up to just let you down. But even though they are so horrible and we've, we've gone through some really bad times, you know, the bag over the face, Owen 16, Joey Harrington era, uh, Marty morning wag, um, just not a good time for Detroit Lions fans. I tell you what, man, most committed fans that I know, Let's go through some of your favorite moments as a Detroit Lions fan. Yeah, so so one of my favorite ones um, was Stafford's rookie season when he was playing against the Browns and uh, he got tackled uh, at the end of the game, uh, dislocated his shoulder, and 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 in doing so, they got a roughing the the passer penalty. Yep. They pulled the game the the. Stafford out for a moment. The dude pops his shoulder back in, puts himself back in the game without the coaches knowing, throws the game-winning touchdown, and doing so dislocates his shoulder again. And and to me, you know, you call him staff infection. Matty Stafford will always be special to me because of that. That just tells me he he was a gamer. And uh, I love the the replay. I'll still watch it. Is Megatron trying to celebrate with him? He's like, don't touch me. Don't touch me. Get off me. Get off me. Don't touch me. Yeah, he's like, my shoulder's out right now. And uh, uh, that's one of my favorite ones. I mean, Stafford Stafford will be the the bright spot of the past, you know, 10, 15 years that I can think of. Yeah. And and, and I tell you what, man, as much as I joke around about him, I love him, dude. And for what he's given that team, that organization, despite the lack of help that they've given him and head coaches, even though I love Jim Caldwell, I think, I don't think he should have been fired. I, you know, just we're, we're not in a great spot right now. Um, man, I really love Matt Stafford and just the way that he's um, kept to himself. He's stuck it out. He's pushed through and he's given us some really fun moments. Um, I've only been to a couple Detroit Lions games. I went, my last one, I went when they played Chicago in December, a couple years ago when they wore the great alternates and I got my, uh, my, my brother and I tickets seven rows up and, 
saw him throw a bomb to Marvin Jones Jr. and caught that. Like it was such an exciting game. Um, now my brother and my dad, they have gone to some very exciting games together. They, they uh, um, went to the game where they beat Dallas, where Matthew Stafford uh, fake spiked it and jumped over yes, their yes, heads. Yeah, yeah, they ended sure. up leaving that game because they thought it was done. Oh. My dad's always a guy towards like, all right, let's go ahead and hurry up and get out of here so we can beat the traffic, you know, total old man stuff. And my brother Mike's like, whatever. They're walking out and they hear the crowd erupting. And they're like, what the heck's going on? So they go back in and they're seeing through things. They ended up coming back winning that football game. So the next game they went to was Miami when Stafford threw that last second touchdown pass to Theo Riddick in the corner of the end zone. And my brother and my dad were in that end zone. He, Mike said, no matter what happens this game, we are not leaving Ford Field. And they stayed. Oh, and they, they ended up staying through the whole game that time. Uh, Stafford rolled out, hit, hit Theo Riddick and, Gosh, man, that, that 2013, 14, even 15 season was so magical. And, look, I'm sorry. That was a bad call against Pettigrew. We should have won that game in Dallas. That, the, dude, you just listed off two more of the ones I had written down. Oh, man. I mean, the Pettigrew one will always be, whether you're in a coffee shop or bar or wherever it is and you're with a Lions fan, yeah. you'll just say Pettigrew, it, it, it was a flag, and you could just get any Lions yeah. fan worked up about it. it um, it's awful. That, that game alone. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really bad. I, uh, again, as, as many of bad moments that there have been in, in, in Detroit Lions football, I mean, gosh, I, I can remember growing up and um, watching Barry Sanders, you know, go left and go right. And even though he retired super early, I remember the old Pontiac Silverdome going there. And I remember going to football games and even high school championship games that were played in the Pontiac Silverdome through 2004 and just that old cold feel to the stadium, but it was so big, so loud. And, even when they moved to Ford Field, uh, it, was, it was great. We haven't had a whole lot of success. Um, who's your favorite Lions player of this generation, though, that has had some success? Uh, I mean, I mean, Stafford's definitely up there, but I yeah. mean, the easy one to say is is Megatron. Yeah. I mean, Calvin Johnson was a freak. So you, you talk about that Cowboys game with the the fake spike. I yeah. mean, Calvin Johnson was a monster in that game. I believe he went for almost 300 yards. Yeah. I mean, he was triple teamed and still catching balls. It, uh, you know, we, we, we think about, you know, the, the, the fake spike, but Calvin Johnson beat the Cowboys almost by himself in that game. Yeah, he did. He did. And, and, and look, I, I know the lions are also watching this make things right with that guy. <laughs> All right. Please, I know it took years for you. It took years for you guys to make things right with Barry. Like, don't do the same thing with Megatron. Just pay him his $1 million back or whatever it was and right. get on with it because he's a great figure for the city of Detroit. That's what we do, though. We have Hall of Fame players. Barry Sanders is the best running back to play the game. Uh, Kelvin Johnson is the best receiver to play the game, in my opinion. I mean, just the way he's built and stuff. If he would have continued playing his career and not retired as early as he did, he would have surpassed Jerry Rice and all these receivers and everything. Make it right with them. He is also probably ha has to be my favorite player, but if I had to really pick one man, Corey Schlesinger, dude. I, for some reason, I just oh, love yeah. him as a, a fullback. I loved watching him in that old uh, blue and silver, and uh, um, there's uh, definitely a lot of fun moments. But but please make it right, make it right for the city, make it right for the city. So so you bring up Corey Schlesinger, and I I kind of wanted to do this challenge to you off the cuff. Yeah, uh, I would love for you to name. It doesn't have to be a superstar, but yeah. out of our four sports teams we talked about, who is that obscure 
player mm-hmm. that you just kind of loved because of whatever it may be, just being a diehard fan. So let's start with the yeah. Tigers. Is there one obscure player that you kind of cheered for? Trying to, I'm trying to go through outfield and infield. Um, I know I'm putting you on this. So I'll say mine with the Tigers. Yeah, mine was Donnie yeah, yeah. Kelly. Okay. Okay. I yeah. love Donnie yeah, Kelly. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, man, yeah, that's a really good one. I mean, he was a guy who came off the bench. He he didn't play. He didn't play in every game, but he came off in. Um, goodness, man, I. I would have to say Sean Casey, even because he wasn't okay. like. He wasn't the star of the team, but he was so consistent at first base. And so I would, I would have to say Sean yeah. Casey was probably my favorite, more underrated Tigers players growing up. Um, when it comes to football, Dominic Rayola, the center, I loved him. Oh, yeah. He, he played there for like almost 20 years. Um, so so here, here, here's my Johnny Morton. Ooh, dude. <laughs> That's old. Oh, my God. Yeah. I just thought he was so cool when he would catch it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so this starts to sound kind of sad when we talk about like, like, who? Who? It's like, that was our guy. What are you talking yeah. about? That was our guy, man. Yeah. I remember. Who's your tiger? Um, now, obviously, who's your tiger? I always thought of Mags, but, but Sean Casey's got to be up there. Talking yeah. about the Pistons. Um, gosh, man. Coming off the bench has to be probably Lindsey Hunter. I mean, he was okay. He was older, like you said, but for but for some reason he was always consistent when he needed to come in and make that play and uh, just make smart moves. I I'd have to go with Lindsey Hunter for sure. Yeah. Uh, on that same note, uh, Mamet Okor. Oh, I just okay. thought he was yeah, yeah, yeah. Just had a sweet stroke and just you know heat check type guy. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Before he went and had a nice nice career in Utah. Yeah. And then I think we're both going to agree on the same one with the wings, but I'll be curious to hear it. Cause I have mine written down. So. Yeah. 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 Oh man. I, gosh, you, you're putting me on the spot here. Um, for the wings. Now, not, now this is somebody who isn't going to be written in the history books for them, but at the same time, they're pretty popular. So it might not be a, a great answer for you. It has to just be because it's my hometown, Justin Abdicator. I, okay. even, though, even though a lot of people don't like how he ended his, you know, kind of ending things there with Detroit, he didn't really play great the last couple of seasons. I mean, his dad was our science teacher in sixth grade and just followed him. And uh, he was just a hometown guy. I, I'd have to say Justin Abdicator for sure. All right. Uh, mine was Darren McCartney. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, well, yeah. You know, you know, outside wings, like no one's going to know who he is for the most part. Yeah. Uh, I mean, dude was awesome and just a yeah. gritty guy and, uh, you know, was able to make a comeback. And if it didn't have to, if I didn't have that hometown tie with Justin Abdicator, absolutely, it would be Darren McCarty all day long. I mean, that hit he delivered against Colorado in the late nineties that solidified my love for Detroit. And so, or for Detroit Red Wings, it was even before the Stanley cup. Like it was that hit that really got me going. And Darren McCarty was always that guy and really his comeback story from everything that he had went through and dealing with with certain things in life and stuff. Um, Yeah. But uh, that's cool, man. Well, uh, it was great having you on here. I know, I know our memories for Detroit Lions weren't as much uh, maybe as we want or as much as, as, as the other sports there, but I'm hoping for a big win tomorrow on Thanksgiving. I hope you eat a lot of food. 
Um, I'm trying to cut weight, but it's one of those things where I'm like, you know what? This only happens once a year. I'm going 100% pedal to the metal and uh, I'm going to eat some food. I'm probably going to watch them lose. And so uh, uh, the bright thing is, is Becky's a, a big Deshaun Watson fan. So she'll be cheering on the the, the Texans tomorrow as they, they come to Ford Field. But uh, it is what it is, man. Does I Becky mean, ever cheer with, with you? Or does she just find a reason to cheer for the other team? No, I think it's just the way things are set up. I you know her, her family was Cincinnati. And uh, I mean, I, I think we're all mutual uh, fans of each other's teams, but um, I, I think when they're not playing each other, we can be collaborative towards each other's teams and stuff. But, um, but it just seems for some, yeah, for whatever reason, the Texans happen to be playing Detroit on Thanksgiving day, but uh, um, I'm going to try to sell her, on, sell her on the Red Wings. Uh, when we move up to Greenville, we can go up to Nashville and watch a couple games or even go to, North Carolina and watch them play the Hurricanes, but uh, one one of these days maybe. <laughs> but uh, anyway, <laughs> man, sure, it was man. Uh, it was great having you on here again. I appreciate you, Dan, and uh, uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. And uh, looking forward to, to having you on here again soon. Yeah, same to you, man. <laughs>